Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to our Friends and Family Day, beginning our gospel meeting. Our first song will be, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. In heavenly armor we'll enter the land, the battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fastened against us shall stand, the battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. When the power of darkness comes in like a flood, the battle belongs to the Lord. He's raised up a standard, the power of his blood. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. When your enemy presses in heart, do not fear. The battle belongs to the Lord. Take courage, my friend, your redemption is near. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. Good morning. We want to welcome everyone to our service this morning. We want you to know that you're our honored guest, and we invite you to come back and worship with us as often as you can, whether in person or by live stream. If you're visiting with us today, we'd ask that you'd fill out an attendance card and place it in the collection plate so that we'd have a record of your attendance. We want to remind everyone of our regular times of service. There are 9.30 a.m. We have Sunday morning Bible study, 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship, 5 p.m. Sunday evening worship, and 7 p.m. we have a Wednesday night Bible study. Our gospel meeting begins today with Friends and Family Day. We invite you to stay for the fellowship meal after this morning's worship and to come back Monday through Wednesday at 6 p.m. for another delicious meal and the worship service beginning at 7. The meat will be provided. Please bring sides, desserts, and drinks uh, for each of the fellowship meals. Our guest speaker is Brother John Cantrell, minister at South Harpeth Church of Christ. Let's invite our friends and neighbors to help to spread the gospel of Christ. Flyers are in the foyer for distribution. There will be Bible Bowl practice today at 4 p.m. The Trenton Crossing Church of Christ end of summer special with Walt Lever will be Wednesday, August 31st at 6.30 p.m. A flyer with more information is in the foyer. The ladies are invited to a wedding shower for Story 
and Jose Rosales in, on Sunday, September 11th at 2 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. They're registered at Target.com. Lawwood Christian Camp is having their fall retreat for grades 7 through 12 on September 16 through 18. The theme is Learning Lessons Through Liquids. These are life applicable lessons taught through the fluids that appear often in the Bible. It will be directed by Noah Eastland and Dale Murray. If you have any questions, please see Noah or Dale. You can register online at lawwood.org slash applications. The men's retreat will be October 14 through 15 at Kentucky Dam Village. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer if you and or a guest are interested in attending. Please also let Howard Frazier know by September 11th if you plan to attend so rooms can be reserved. Save the date, men's prayer breakfast on Saturday, September 17th at 8 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. I have a couple of other notes. Uh, Shelby Knox has been diagnosed with aggressive squamous cell carcinoma of the tongue that has spread to her lymph nodes. Due to the location of her cancer, surgical remover is not an option. As far, so far, she has received one radiation treatment and is now on a feeding tube. Ms. Shelby loved her church family here at Stroudville and attended regularly until she had to care for her mother. She and her family request your prayers as she navigates this difficult diagnosis. I have a thank you card here. I want to thank everyone for the food, cards, and prayers after my shoulder surgery and recent hospitalization for COVID. I appreciate it so much. In Christian love, Diana Larkins. I have one last announcement. To my church family, Matthew and I would like to share with all of you that we are expecting a baby boy January 26, 2023. Please keep us in your prayers during this exciting time, Alexis and Matthew. That's all the announcements that I have. Now we'll have our reading. Morning. Our reading this morning comes from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, and I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version. When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus therefore said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Our song before opening prayer will be number 470. <clears throat> 470. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. Oh, be satisfied as long. 
pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. We pray for those in authority. Please help them to make wise decisions that are consistent with your word and with the absolute truths taught in your word. And with increasing strife in the world and especially in Ukraine, we pray that you would bring peace to the world. Help us to be peacemakers and raise up leaders who will both punish the evildoer and bring peace to others. In today's world, with less respect for your message as stated in the Bible, we pray that our local, state, and national leaders will not impose laws that prevent us from following your will. Help these leaders to use their authority to allow Christians to lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. We pray for those who are mentioned in the bulletin and in the announcements today who are physically sick. Be with them, heal them, 
and help the doctors to use their God-given intelligence and training to help them get better. We want to especially pray for Patsy Heron, who will be having a heart catheterization this Wednesday. Be with her. We have continued prayers for Bill Young, who had a stroke and is still in the hospital and hopefully will be in rehabilitation soon. Please be with him and help heal him. We pray for Marvin Holt, who's recently been diagnosed with autoimmune disease. Please be with him, help the doctors to do things to help him and and heal him. We also pray for Beverly King, who, who is sick at home. Please be with her and comfort her and help her to look to thee and help us to encourage her and her family. We want to pray for Shelby Knox. Please be with her, heal her, and, and, and help comfort her family. Heavenly Father, we especially want to pray for the David Helton family. Uh, they attend Oakland. Please be with them on the recent drowning death of their teenage son. Help comfort them. Finally, we want to have a special prayer for those attending our gospel meeting this week and for our speaker, Brother Cantrell. Please help our speaker to offer biblical teaching that will help us follow the greatest commandments of loving God and loving others. And Heavenly Father, for those attending the meeting who have not yet chosen to follow Thee, we pray that these gospel messages may touch their hearts and cause them to come forward and repent and have their sins washed away in baptism. And for those Christians who have fallen away, we pray that these gospel messages may cause them to repent and come back to faithful service to Thee. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper. We'll sing Lamb of God. Your only Son, no sin to hide, but you have sent Him from your side to walk upon this guilty side and to
this morning, reading from Philippians 2, 5 through 8. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to death, even death on a cross. So in other words, God submitted himself to us. Christ died because it was necessary for us to live. Christ's incomprehensible journey from the glory of heaven to a manger in Bethlehem to dying in agony on the cross is a distance that just cannot be measured. Jesus made himself nothing so we could have everything. Jesus condensed all his love and sacrifice down to what we're here for today, two simple emblems, bread and wine, his body and his blood. Communion is our way of stopping each week to ponder the staggering price of our salvation and to check our attitudes, to look at this gift, look at the humility, the love, the servant, heart of Jesus, the one who gave it to us. So this morning, as we partake of this bread and fruit of the vine, I ask you to consider, has this gift changed how I treat others? Do I extend the same love and forgiveness I'm receiving to someone else? Do I have the same attitude as Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to this earth to provide an example of the perfect human and to show us how we should show up in this world. Help us to focus daily on your son to show others what Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection has done for us. It's given us a hope of an eternal home in heaven. So we partake of this bread, help us to clear our minds and focus on the cross. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you again partaking of this fruit of the vine, which represents his blood. His blood that was shed on the cross and that washes away our sins. We thank you for seeing us as worthy of such great sacrifice. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. concludes the Lord's Supper. At this time, we'll give thanks for what we've been given and take the opportunity to give back a portion of what we've been so richly blessed with. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the blessings of life that you've given us. Please help us to give as we've prospered and to help those who are in need. Lord, we know we are blessed more than most, so please help us to remember everything that we have comes from you, that the work of the church must continue so that we can bring more souls to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
like to mark your songbooks for an invitation song after the lesson be number 560. 560. For the lesson that stands and sing number 525. 525. If for the price we have striven after our labors are more, rest to our souls will be given on the eternal shore. Home of the soul, beautiful hope, there we shall rest never to roam, free from all care, happy and bright. Jesus is there, he is the light, often the storm, lonely are we, sighing for home, longing for thee, beautiful home of the ransom beside the crystal sea. Yes, a sweet rest is remaining for the true children of God, where there will be no complaining, never a chastening rod. Home of the soul, beautiful home, there we shall rest, never to roam, free from all care, happy and bright. Jesus is there, he is the light, off in the storm, lonely are we, sighing for home, longing for thee, beautiful home of the Beside the crystal sea. Soon the bright homeland adorning, we shall behold the glad dawn. Lean on the Lord till the morning, trust till the night is gone. Home of the soul, beautiful home. There we shall rest, never to roam, free from all care, happy and bright. Jesus is there, he is the light, off in the storm, lonely are we, sighing for home, longing for thee, beautiful home of the ransom beside the crystal. Please. Good morning. Good to see everyone here today. It's great to have all of you visiting. We thank you, Brian Albright, for leading our songs today. It gives me a privilege to introduce to you John Cantrell. Before I introduce our speaker this morning, I wanted to uh, mention again, prayers need to go up for the Don and Mary Beth Helton family. I, I wrote Mary Beth a message yesterday. You know, they lost a 16-year-old son to a drowning accident, David, so it's been quite a shock to the family. Maribeth posted that she knew that she would see him again in heaven soon, so I can't imagine how difficult that would be to say goodbye to a son suddenly, uh, but just keep that family. Don used to preach for the Oakland congregation in this community. 
We're glad to have Brother John Cantrell. We're glad to have each and every one of you visiting with us today and want to encourage you to stay for our meal immediately following. Now, our service tonight is going to be at 5, and then we have a meal Monday through Wednesday at 6 with our service at 7. So come and join us for the remainder of our meeting. Brother John is married to Jennifer. She's here with us today as well. And uh, they also have their daughter, Ella. In addition to Ella, they have Levi and Hannah, who are adult children. They're not here today, but we're so glad to have them from the Fairview area. John is a minister for the South Harpeth Congregation. He's a bi-locational preacher who also works for the Davidson County Property Assessor. I was looking on uh, their website, South Harpeth is actually the oldest churches of Christ in Davidson County, the fifth oldest in the entire state of Tennessee. John was telling me that his father retired from the military. He was a colonel at Fort Campbell. They uh, moved to Madison shortly thereafter, but uh, his mom went to the PX quite a bit at Fort Campbell, so he's familiar with this area, but we're glad to have John. John brought us a lesson this morning from from John chapter 3, where the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. So it's our honor to be able to present John Cantrell, and uh, we look forward to a, a sermon from here, him today, and uh, we're just honored to have you. And thank you, John, for, for being here. We appreciate your presence and look forward to being fed from the Word. John? Yes. It is a great honor to be here. Thank you so much. I have really look forward to this and I've heard about you for years Mandy would come and visit her parents and tell us all about you and say you really need to come Uh, maybe we could have you sometime and I said that would be wonderful and she said well our elders don't trust you until they can hear you and (laughs) we don't record we weren't cool enough to record until COVID hit and we started with my old cell phone that was that tipped over about halfway through and would go out because of a bad battery, and we have progressed quite a bit since then, and I appreciate so very much the technology that you all have in this building and the, the capability that you have. I wish you had a, a preacher that could take more advantage of that, but uh, every now and then, I appreciate every now and then we can step back from that. This morning, you probably wish that I had turned in the scriptures at least, and I apologize as I sit here, I think that would have been good. But I do want to go to Matthew 28 and among other places, but you'll see that this morning we will be uh, throughout the scriptures. And uh, before, I, before I let this moment go and before we really get into our lesson time, we are blessed. I know that we have several visitors, I'm sure, in the house this morning. We are blessed to have our dear friends, Danny and Pat Powell, uh, that have joined us here. Uh, Danny and I have gotten to know each other, and uh, he's become a very dear friend of mine. They are the, the most humble couple you'll ever meet. And Danny, in his retirement, uh, between me and his preacher, we have been encouraging him to preach, and he has actually come to South Harpeth and preached a couple of times, and we are continuing to encourage him. He claims he's a talker, but you can call him a preacher. I wish you would. That that just get under his skin just enough. Uh, but we, I want to thank uh, Danny and Pat for being here to encourage us. 
Nicodemus is what we will be discussing, and in John 3, there is the first encounter we have with Nicodemus, and throughout our time in this gospel meeting, and and I want to say thank you for having a gospel meeting. Many people have uh, proclaimed the death of gospel meetings, and I think that's just because we preachers don't preach gospel sermons, and we need to be preaching gospel sermons and be hearing and sitting under gospel sermons so that we are convicted, and so that our friends and neighbors are convicted either through us or by bringing them here to hear the gospel. And so I want to encourage you that this week we will be preaching gospel, I will be preaching gospel messages uh, to the best of my ability. Uh, I'm no Brother Tom, but I'm, I'm not filling his shoes, I'm just keeping them shine for him this week. Uh, Nicodemus, we encounter him, and, and what's great about Nicodemus is, is as John goes on, John doesn't give us a whole lot of character development, but with Nicodemus is developed throughout the text uh, in such a way that in John 3, as we will be encountering this conversation this week, in John 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, and commentators want to say, well, well, that's when the rabbis would have uh, not been rabbying, and so they, they would be able to be talking with each other, or that's just the normal time. But I, I think that John wants us to understand Nicodemus is coming to Jesus at night because uh, it was, uh, he, he was curious. He had a heart to pursue Jesus in a way that very few Pharisees had that. And so Nicodemus comes in John 3 by night, and Jesus is very blunt with him, and Jesus does not in any way lower a standard for him, but in fact provides a a gospel message, a gospel-centered message such that is very divisive. Uh, Either you are able to be, either you are willing to be born again, of water and spirit, or you're outside of the kingdom. It doesn't get any more uh, cut and dry than that. So later on in John 7, the Pharisees and the, the authorities are discussing about bringing Jesus in and questioning him, and they're afraid of the crowds. And in John 7, 50 and 51, Nicodemus in the course of this conversation, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? So he goes from, I'm going to him by night, I'm questioning him, to, could this be? Could this be the Messiah? Shouldn't we investigate this a little bit more? And then, of course, in John chapter 19... We read surrounding the death of Jesus that Nicodemus also, in verse 39 of chapter 19, Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about 75 pounds in weight. Now, that's no small thing. 75 pounds of this type of raw materials such that he's bringing would have cost a lot of money, would have been a big expression. It was no longer by night. It was no longer, could this be? 
Uh, John develops the character of Nicodemus to let us see that Nicodemus by the end, and we don't know where he went from there, but Nicodemus at the end is honoring Jesus like a, uh, a king, like a Pharaoh, like, like a Caesar would have been honored. The, the weight that he is bringing of these burial spices would equate to royalty. So it's a fascinating character study. Again, Jesus says, you must be born from above. You must be born again. You must be born of water and spirit. And we want to flesh that out this week. But it does make me want to do an aside study with you this morning. Just as soon as I get in John 3, I'm stepping out just for a moment. Because I want us to talk about discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it take to be a disciple? And what does it take to be a disciple? What is it that we need to know on the front end of being a disciple? We have a couple of places that we would refer ourselves to when it comes to what we would know of as the Great Commission. One of those being Mark 16. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is immersed shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. Or here in Matthew chapter 28. Starting with verse 16, the eleven disciples went to Galilee to a mountain according to Jesus' instructions. When they saw him, they worshipped him. And here's what we were talking about during our Sunday school hour. They worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came to them and spoke, saying... First, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I want to stop there just for a moment and talk about authority, and I really want to touch on this. All authority. This is where the whole ministry of Jesus has been headed. It's for him to have the authority. In Matthew 11, starting with verse 27, we read, All these things, all all things have been handed over to me, By my Father, no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, there still is a yoke, and there still is a burden. There still are lessons to be learned. But come to me and I will be a gentle master. Speaking of authority in Psalm 110 and verse 1, a psalm, a verse that is uh, often quoted in the New Testament. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. And in 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, starting with verse 24, then comes the end, and here's where this is headed. You see, Jesus Jesus was the authority of his disciples. All of the things that have happened have happened to a small uh, group in in a very uh, defined, well-defined region, but that won't be the case always. Then comes the end when... He delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all 
his enemies under his feet. There's that psalm, quote, The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all and in all. When those that were there saw Jesus ascend, they were told uh, he will come back, not in a secretive way, not in a way where just a few can see, but he will come back in such a way that all the world will see. And that's why we come into a house like this, That's why we come and hear gospel messages. That's why we are pleading with you to come this week. And that's why we want, most of all, to either be equipped to go out and preach the gospel to our friends and family that are lost, that are outside of Christ. We do that because there is coming a day when every knee will bow, when every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord And if we wait until that moment, it will be too late. There is coming a day when every knee will bow. Why not today? And there is a call upon our life as disciples of Jesus to obey Jesus, to obey his word. In fact, we will see this week, we will be reminded of something that we read from the words, from the lips of Jesus, that he did not come to judge the world, but his words will judge the world. His words, we will sit in judgment based on his words. Therefore, we must be students of his word. We must obey his words. And so we want to learn what does it mean to be a disciple. And we want people up here, Before us as preachers and teachers, we want people to be bringing us the whole counsel of God. We want people not to be afraid to speak those difficult truths that are so important for us to understand. Because there will come a moment, there will come a day when we will be judged. And when eternity will hang in the balance of that. And we can be judged at the cross... We can be judged in the waters of baptism as we put to death our old man and and that new man comes up in us and we spend the rest of our life conforming our life to the image of Jesus, trusting that he will uh, be our advocate and ultimately trusting him with our eternal destination. And as we think about what does it mean to be a disciple, what does it take to be made a disciple, what does it mean to remain a disciple. In, in, in chapter 28 and verse 19, we get some words, uh, we get some very important words. Go and make disciples of all nations, or perhaps as you are going, immersing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you all always, I am with you all the days to the end of the world. So by that we read that a disciple is made by going and immersing and teaching. 
Now, I will say that my probably entire Christian life, I have taken this to mean that I am to go out uh, just because we have a building up or a sign, just because you all were kind enough to put out a flyer with my picture. That was a bad move. Whoever decided that, that was a bad move. You put out a flyer and it said, we're going to be worshiping, we're going to have gospel messages And there are some places that say, okay, here we are, come to us. But he didn't say, build and they'll come. He said, go. So, so much of what we do here is an equipping of the saints so that we can go out and we can evangelize. Uh, But when he says, go and make disciples and teach, that teaching I've always taken to being... Uh, We teach all the things that Jesus has said. Now, there is an aspect of that teaching that is that. No doubt about that. We are to be teaching the words of Jesus. We are to be teaching the truth of Jesus from cover to cover. Everything points to Jesus. And we are to be preaching and teaching that. I don't know if you all uh, are close enough to Nashville to know about the Connect Conference. Does that ring a bell with anyone Some of you may be, some of you not. It's a lectureship that has happened the past two years in Nashville. And I was listening to Dan Winkler, uh, a presentation that he had made. I I wasn't able to be there, but I was watching it online, and I do recommend it's online. Uh, It was at the Creve Hall Church House. But Dan Winkler, in looking at this text, talked about the fact that what if the teaching part of this wasn't teaching all the stuff. Now that that I've baptized someone into Christ, now I've got to mentor them and teach them everything that Jesus has said. What if it has to do with even in the coming of Jesus? What if what Jesus is saying is, I want you to teach everything I have taught you about discipleship? And if you put those lenses on and you see this text through that lens, that I'm not looking at everything, but I am going to hone in on what does Jesus teach about discipleship, I come up with some amazing lessons that I want us to look at today. And I will say, I suppose unapologetically, but I will be in the text quite a bit uh, for our time together. If we nuance this text to see what Jesus had taught those disciples about what it means to be a disciple, we get a clear doctrinal teaching that needs to be understood both before we are converted and after. Let's look at before we are converted in Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate as to whether he is able to, with 10,000, meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet great away, uh, a great way off, he sends a delegation and ask for terms of peace. Or Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 57. 
They were going along the road. Someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holds, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury uh, their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another, he said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those in my home. And Jesus said to him, no, no one who puts uh, his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So there's a lot of uh, instruction there uh, just in simply understanding what Jesus expects before we ever do make a disciple. Are we going out and teaching a gospel of ease? How many times have we heard uh, someone proclaim, it's not all that hard to come to Christ? I understand what we mean by that when we understand the work has been done by Jesus on the cross, but we must understand what we're getting into so we don't fall away. And that's the other part of that is we are called to remain faithful. And several texts would indicate that by... Uh, reason of our time together and you wanting to eventually get to eat. In Romans chapter 11 and verse 22, note then the kindness and severity of God. Both of those things are present in God. Is our gospel preaching, is our going, is our telling, does it include both of those things? Are we willing to look at someone outside of Christ and try to get them to understand, yes, you are a sinner Yes, you have a moral issue. Yes, you are outside of Christ. And we'll be talking about that this week. Note then the kindness and severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, uh, but it's conditioned. What's it conditioned on? Provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. So what, is, so what does Jesus teach about discipleship? And let's go through the disciple, the discipling text. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 24, Matthew 10 and verse 24, a disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave, or perhaps your translation servant, or perhaps bond servant. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. So the first thing we we need to understand as disciples of Jesus or as potential disciples of Jesus is you will have a master. You will be subservient to Jesus. A disciple of Jesus would be one who was willing to yield to his authority as master. We can affirm this morning with great assurance that Jesus is Lord, but is he your Lord? Uh, And only you know the answer. God knows this morning who are his and who are not his. God heard the most beautiful singing just a moment ago, but he knows from the heart who was singing and worshiping and who was not. God knows those who are his. We will be a slave. Romans 6 lets us know, Paul tells us in Romans 6, we will be a slave to something. We will offer our bodies, instruments, Uh, as being subservient to sin, or we will be a slave to Jesus. And the the, the one who walked this earth with the most freedom, the one who walked this earth with the most freedom, 
was Jesus. Don't you agree with that? Have you ever thought about that? That Jesus was the most free person that ever walked the face of the earth, and yet he committed no sin. And yet he was completely obedient, completely subservient to the Father. In Matthew 10 and verse 25, we get another teaching of Jesus about discipleship. Matthew 10 and verse 25, It is enough for a disciple to be as his teacher and the slave as his master. So the disciple not only follows, not only learns from, but in fact becomes like the master. That is our ultimate goal, to become like Jesus, to learn of him. How did Jesus learn obedience? The Hebrew writer tells us Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. You and I may have to learn obedience through what we suffer. You and I may have to learn obedience at times the hard way. And yet we must learn it in such a way that we can become like him. There's a difference in in trying to look like trying to have the form like someone great and actually thinking in those terms and acting in those terms. Whenever you see someone perform, whether it's an athlete or whether it's an entertainer, whatever they're great in, what you're seeing is someone who has practiced over and over again. When we see a great golfer, we're seeing someone who has hit a ball over and over and over again. Uh, If I went up to that golfer and I said, would you lay hands on me and give me your gift? That's not how that works. They have practice after practice after practice to get ready for a game. They don't have a game to get ready for a practice. So what you see them doing out is what they do when no one is looking. This is... This is complicated for us as Christians because it's not just what we do that everyone can see. It's in our heart. It's what we think. It's what our affections are. And what we encountered in just a little bit ago from Philippians. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The only way that that happens is if I go to the text and if I learn what has been revealed about his mind and I trust in that, and I put that into practice in obedience. So the disciple follows and learns from and in, in hopes that he or she becomes like Jesus. That's going to take putting my will aside and putting on and following his will. There's a lot of folks that, that I think they may pray, they may not pray this, but they live like this. Lord, may my will be done in heaven as it is on earth. And that's not what a disciple prays. A disciple prays, Lord, may your will be my will. May your affections be mine. May your thoughts be mine. We must die to self and live for him. In Matthew 10 and verse 42, whoever gives only... A cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple. Indeed, I assure you, he will by no means lose his reward. So by that I learned that doing service because one is a disciple of Jesus, that Jesus viewed being a disciple as living life to help others. And of course, 
Uh, we know of several texts that would back that up, including Matthew 25. In Matthew 26, we encounter a chapter of Jesus' interactions with his closest disciples, and there is an exclusiveness to this. There is an exclusive nature to being a disciple of Jesus. So it's exclusive, it's subservient, becoming like him and doing good works. What else can we learn about Jesus and discipleship? Well, in Luke 14 and verse 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Welcome to Friend and Family Day. Matthew's counterpart to this, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. I don't think that was all that hard, Jesus, but the other one's a little bit different. And a person's enemies will be those in his own household. Why? Whoever loves, his, uh, loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, how do I hate my life? Well, I hate it in relation to how I love another. I can't love uh, someone else unless I am understanding that I, that I uh, love of myself. I understand that. And truly, how we understand love is outside of ourselves because we were first loved, then we know how to love. But when it comes to what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I am the rock that you will fall on and break yourself on. I, I, I will be that. I will be the deciding factor. When we preach Jesus, Prince of Peace, but Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. No, Jesus came to bring what we will talk about with Nicodemus, a changed life. Jesus came to bring salvation. Jesus came to offer himself an atoning sacrifice, taking our place for our sin. Jesus came preaching repentance. And we must understand how important it is to put our will aside for his will. And if there's anything in your life that you love more than Jesus, anything you love more than Christ, Jesus just tells us, you're not worthy of me. Jesus would go on to talk about talk to the, uh, the different churches in Revelation, and he says very plainly, you, 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 you must be all in. This hot, a little bit hot, a little bit cold, you can't do that. You can't have a little bit of light and a little bit of dark. That's not possible. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot say, I am a committed Christian and never... Assemble with the saints. Never encourage each other. Never go out and evangelize. The list can go on. What we love, what has our affection more than Jesus, is an idol. And if you think you're in Christ, but you're willing to give God your leftovers, as though God is a beggar 
with his coffee can out, and if we just happen to have some extra spare change, we'll drop it in. But I'm I'm a little bit low this time, God. No big deal. Uh, I'll catch you next time. God is not some beggar that just wants our leftovers. He says, you will, I will divide you if your affection now. The good thing about that is, how does Jesus bring peace? Well, if if we are as a group, uh, as, a, as an assembly, as a called out assembly of Jesus, if we all have his will as our will, we're seeking his will, we're seeking to grow closer to him, then guess what? Then we will have peace. I know a lot of people outside of Christ that know peace. And they know peace at times seemingly even in a greater way than, than I do. And yet I know that's not true. They're, they're gathering around something. They're gathering around an idea. They're gathering around an idol of some, in some way, even the idol of family. They're gathering around that and, and excluding Jesus out of their life. And I know that will ultimately fail. Luke chapter 14 and verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Cannot be my disciple is is not prohibitive but prescriptive. The one who does not bear his own cross. We have an odd idea about crosses that we bear. I didn't get the parking place I wanted out here this morning. What a cross I've got to bear. Uh, We claim that cross a lot of different ways. Paul would write in Galatians 2 and verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I the world. Paul, who would be persecuted to the point of death, multiple times who would be arrested for doing nothing but what he was called to do by Jesus, who would be imprisoned. The list can go on and on and on. And he would say, I am dead to myself. What can someone do to me when I have already died? How does that affect me when my everything has already died and been crucified to Jesus and it is he, not I, that lives in me? What is man able to do to me if the worst thing that ever could happen happens that I lose my life, is it not my gain? Luke 14 and verse 33, Jesus says something else about discipleship. So therefore, if any, of you, if any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. What have you given up for Jesus that you have not gained exponentially more on the other side? Have you really given anything up that, that counted, that mattered, that really you cared about? I remember a, a reading of, about a preacher who had been a medical doctor, a very prominent medical doctor. 
And he left his practice as a young man. He left his very promising practice and went to a very undesirable area and started preaching. And he made this comment, I have lost nothing of value and I have gained everything. Is, is that Jesus to you? I get nervous when we start talking about, you know, back there before Jesus, before, before I was converted in my sin, back there we sure did have some great times, didn't we? I mean, we tore it up. I mean, we had this wonderful life. Just like we talked about in our Sunday school class. Those, those Israelites saying, oh, back in Egypt we were slaves and we had three squares a day. My dear friends, we haven't, we haven't left anything back of any value, of any consequence. Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 7. Paul, who had every reason to boast in his own accomplishments, writes, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of, not, of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ to be found in him. Listen to his goal. Listen to Paul's life's goal. Everything else matters nothing to me, is nothing to me. At best, it's worth maybe throwing in the washing machine to get washed. At best. Listen to what his goal is. Listen to what his desire is. Is this your desire? I've put aside everything. I count them as rubbish in order. That's another, that's another word. I know I need to read this, but in order that. Sometimes you've got to set things aside in order to gain, gain Jesus. Maybe this morning you can tell me, you can think of a, a something that needs to be set aside in your life. What needs to be set aside? Some, some of us cannot come to Jesus because we are inhibited by what is in our life that we need to put aside. If you don't renounce everything, if you don't leave everything, don't even look back. And follow me. I count all things as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Are you mature this morning? Do you think that way? Did you come in here saying, Nothing else in my life matters compared to this. Nothing else in my life matters compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. And I'll add something to that. Not only is it important that you know Jesus, but it is important that Jesus knows you. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we do all these amazing things? Didn't we do all this great, wondrous works in your name? 
And he'll say what? I never knew you. I never knew you. I'm living, and I want to encourage you to to join me. I'm living not so much that I can say, oh, I know Jesus, because I see a lot of people that say, I know Jesus. But broad is that way that leads to destruction, and narrow is that gate that leads to life. I'm living my life so that one day Jesus can look at me in all his grace and mercy and say, I know know you. I know you. And what makes the difference between that? It's, it's your obedience to the gospel. It's your obedience and your commitment as a disciple. The storm comes to both. The storm comes to both the one who builds on the rock and those who build on the sand. So it's not about I come to Christ and nothing bad happens to me. And truly, I think that text in Matthew 7 has a lot to do with judgment. The same storm of judgment comes to both. The only one who will stand is the one who built upon the rock of Jesus. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Did you find your life somewhere other than Jesus? You will lose it for eternity. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever loses his life in me will find it for eternity. We're talking about your heart this morning. We're talking about your heart. We're talking about you in obedience to Jesus. Listening to Jesus as he said to Nicodemus, unless except ye be born from above of water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom. If you obey, if you believe, You will have salvation, and if you do not obey, the wrath of God remains in you, on you. The wrath of God. The wrath of God is a reality. Either Jesus took the wrath, the cup of the wrath of God for you all the way, or you will experience that one day for eternity, where the fire is never quenched, where the worm dieth not. This morning, would you... Be the disciple of Jesus. You remember the story Jesus is trying to explain the body and blood that uh, he's trying to uh, go forward with this great miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. And he says, you're just coming to eat, but I am the bread that's come down from heaven. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. You must ingest me. You must follow me. And many left him. He's not not going to be a political leader. He's not going to raise up an army. Many left him. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Come on back, come on back. We'll, We'll talk about it. No big deal. Jesus has the audacity to turn to his closest disciples and say, this is the deal. Will you also leave? The the standard has not changed. Of course, Peter says, you have the words of life. To whom else could we go? And I'm telling you, in Christ, Jesus has the words of life. There is no one else to whom you can go. 
If you choose something other than Christ, you choose it at your peril. But if you choose Christ, you have eternal salvation. You can be with God forever. Would you be obedient to the gospel? Would you come and repent of your sins? Would you come and say, I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I need my heart changed. I want my sin put upon Jesus And I want his righteousness imputed to me. And we can wash your sins away in the watery grave of baptism and you can live your life for him. Wouldn't that be a great friends and family day ending? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to happen? To have you born into the kingdom, born from above, water and spirit. Would you come right now? Don't wait any longer while we stand and while we sing. These have allured my sight. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one, he is the just one, he hath the words of life. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and We thank you for being here today. Thank you, John, for that lesson. I wanted to mention just very quickly before we have our final song and our closing prayer, we want to invite our guests to go first for our food today. And moms and dads with little children from Stroudsville, if you'll hold them back and let our guests go through, we'd appreciate that. And we look forward to seeing you again tonight. Hope you'll be here at 5 and then for our meal at 6 and service Monday through Wednesday at, at uh, 7. Brian? Closing song will be number 531. We'll sing first and last verses. 531. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more.
And the morning brings eternal bright and fair. When the saint of the shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father in heaven, for this morning, the encouragement of the singing and the reading of your word, the uh, the honoring of your name. You bless us with so many things. We pray you'll give us the strength to not rely on the created things, but you, the creator. And we pray for your joy and the strength that comes from being obedient to you, to see the world through what we should do for you and not what we can have, gain, or enjoy for ourselves. And please give us uh, exceeding measures of joy. When we turn to you, honor you with our thoughts and with our heart, with our body, and with all the gifts that you give us, that we may share and, and join in that which you created us to be. We ask through Jesus. Amen. <clears throat>